Welcome to the Jets Pop Culture Podcast. I'm Jesse Nussman, and on the other line, he's just a steel town girl on a Saturday night. He's looking for the fight of her life. In the real-time world, no one sees her at all. They all say she's crazy. Talking, of course, about my man on the other line, Mark Anthony. How are you doing out there? (laughs) What an intro. I don't really... Do you, do you get my intro? I don't... I didn't 100% get it. Just just saying the first it? couple bars of uh, the 80s classic Maniac. Because we're going to be talking about the Netflix series Maniac. Oh my god. No, I <laughs> did not I'm, get that. I'm really surprised. Did not... Has not featured that song in the handful of episodes I've seen thus far. Well, I hope next time it's just you singing. Like Me maybe that's how they cap off the mini series <laughs> you singing that song. I just wanted the, as they're taking Emma Stone and uh, Jonah Hill into the depths of their subconscious to just cut out, and Justin throws just flicking all the switches in the laboratory, and Maniac is playing, and he's just dancing. What is the show, Jesse? <laughs> What that, is Maniac? What is Maniac? That's that's a good question, Mark. Uh, Maniac is Netflix's new miniseries uh, starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. The entire series is directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who's uh, made a handful of movies, uh, but is probably most known for uh, directing the entire first season of True Detective. And... Picking back off our James Bond conversation a few weeks ago, he's, he's going to be directing the new James Bond movie. What a twist! I'm back in. I'm back in for <laughs> James Bond. Just, Carrie's having a moment right now. Carrie's having a moment. I mean, good for him, because, you know, it didn't work out, and then he had another TV series he was involved in called The Alienist. That didn't work out. Yeah. But, uh... Landing on I, his feet, I, though. I get... I, so, I'm gonna attempt to summarize the <laughs> setup for Maniac for people who have not watched it yet. Uh, unless you feel you can give a better description of this show than I can, because I'm, I'm not 100% sure how to describe it. It's pretty complicated, Did I freeze? No, I'm just trying to think how to describe this show. (laughs) This show is... It's not like crazy, bonkers, weird. Like a Razorhead level. But it's like... Okay, so first off... I'm just going to get right into this. I was like, this eerily reminds me of like Mr. Robot Season 1. Yeah, or I even got a little bit of Legion. The color palette and all the bright colors and the stuff with, like, we got to go inside people's minds is very Legion. So so before we go any further, this is the best summary of the plot I can give, is it is set in an, let's call an alternate reality, New York City, that is a mixture of futuristic technology and 
uh, technology you probably could have gotten in 1996. Uh, Jonah Hill and Emma Stone are two participants in a experimental drug trial put on by Justin Theroux. And Emma Stone's a drug addict. Jonah Hill's a schizophrenic. They go into this drug trial and have these elaborate dream sequences that are each kind of different genres and they are different characters, I guess, and are going to like solve their mental problems through these intertwining dream sequences. That's that's you you got anything else to add? That's about the best I can explain this. Because it's pretty complicated. It's okay. So it's like early George Lucas, David Lynch, and Woody Allen all had a baby. (laughs) It would be Maniac. It's it's not too far off. Uh, so how many episodes have you seen? I've I've seen, seen six. I've seen three. Okay, so I'm a little further ahead of you. Yes. Don't really think I can necessarily spoil anything. There's nothing like worth spoiling. I don't. It's more of like a. It's more of like because to spoil it would be to get into the kind of convoluted, uh, plot, science like, and plot, and like you can get mind lot or things mind that logic. Happen. Uh, so I'm not gonna do that. But I need to ask you. As three or four episodes in, what are your thoughts thus far? Because this was one of the big shows coming into the fall that people were really getting excited about. So I was excited for this, and I genuinely didn't read anything or watch any trailers. So I had no idea what I was going into. (laughs) And holy shit. Like, I (laughs) I don't hate it, but I sure don't love it. But I'm gonna finish it, and I'm loving it at the same time it's kind of like sharp objects for me that's that's probably a good comparison i find myself admiring this all more than i'm like engaging with the story i think on yeah. a production level and just just the sheer amount of detail and craftsmanship in the directing and the world building uh it's it's pretty impeccable. It's probably one of the more impressive TV series of the last few years, just in terms of what I just mentioned, directing and then the whole world building of this like alternate reality New York and the different technology and this laboratory that Jonah Hill and Emma Stone are in and the different like rules and science of this drug experiment and like what it does to their mind. It's all like very detailed and very well thought out, and I I think is a pretty pretty impressive showcase for Kerry Fukunaga, who may it, it has had a decently good career, but hasn't since True Detective. I think a lot of us were hoping when he got on board, it that was going to be the thing that was going to catapult him to the next level and being kind of a household name director yeah and that obviously didn't happen maybe that'll happen with james bond now but this is i think another impressive showcase for his talents as a director especially the dream sequences which 
I think it sounds like talking to you, you've just kind of gotten to that section. But each yeah, one of those... Yeah, episode three leads off with like a small introduction of Jonah Hill with a mullet. Yeah, so each one of those is almost its own different genre. Like, the first one that it sounds like you left off on is this, like, like loony 80s crime comedy caper that's maybe, like, a mid-80s Scorsese comedy. Cool, 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 cool. And then there's another one that's, like, a 1940s paranormal gothic noir. Oh, I'm here for that. And then the episode I just left off on, uh, I'm guessing is a fantasy one, because Emma Stone was an elf. So. I'm guessing we're... uh, Elf, like Game of Thrones elf. Okay. I thought you said elf. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think those standalone episodes that are just sort of in these different individual dreams those i think are some of the more fun because it's basically just starting over with this cast yeah or let's just have carrie fukunaga test out this random genre of movie and play around which for a miniseries i'm here for that yeah but i'm with you it's you have to like really pay attention and i find myself a little confused a lot of the time um what are your thoughts on the Jonah Hill performance? Because I'm all in on Emma Stone in this. I think she's incredible, but I the Jonah Hill performance, it sounds like, is pretty divisive amongst an already divisive show with people, based off what I've seen. So, Jonah Hill looks like Ben Stiller, and that bothers the shit out of me the entire time I've been watching. He just looks like Ben Stiller, so skinny. It's the thinnest Jonah Hill I've ever seen. I, th- I think the problem people are having with this is it's very... It's uh, no, it's more of just like, this is him with the least charisma we've ever seen him. He's playing someone who's like very, so introverted and so locked down that he's he kind of comes across as blank while Emma Stone is wildly charismatic in this. Yeah, he clearly has... Super insecurities. Like the most animated we saw him was when he was like, "Let's run away together" to his brother's fiance. Yeah, and that was it. And I, and like after that, it's just crippling schizophrenia. And yeah. he just gets pick on, and he's an outcast because his family's super rich. So I guess if that's what they're going for, he's doing great. But other than that, he's like very one-dimensional yeah. i mean he's literally it's crippling schizophrenia to the point where like his entire life he's been shunned and not good enough or something like that i think it's more of it's just sort of jarring for a lot of people because this is a different even though we've seen him in serious roles before this is yeah probably the most serious he's ever been because usually even that even in serious roles he's a little bit more charismatic and a little more talkative than he is here. Oh, absolutely. He just doesn't talk, really. Yeah. I, I will say, Emma Stone, though, and Justin Theroux, when he comes into this show... You're ignoring my favorite character. Sally Field? Sonia Mizuno? Mizuno? Oh! From Crazy Rich Asians? Also from Ex Machina? Yeah. 
I just love how she just is out here chain smoking. Out here. What a haircut, too. Yo. TV haircut of the year. She's looking really cute. Oh, all right. So, you know how I mentioned before, it's kind of shot like uh, Mr. Robot? Yeah. So, I wanted to say it was that uh, Amelia Gray, who's one of the lead writers on Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. basically wrote most of the Maniac script. Oh, nice. With Fukunaga. So, so, that might be like why kind of has that Mr. So, Robot feel to it. What I have enjoyed is reading about the behind the scenes for this. Fukunaga and the series other creator with him, Patrick Somerville, rewrote a giant ton of most of the episodes before the series started. And there's a, a, some really great profiles of both these guys out there. Um, especially talking about, like, how incredibly detail-oriented Fukunaga was on set of, like, I want to know the reason that, like, this couch is this color or, like, what the significance of and, like, reasoning is behind this piece of machinery, even if it's just something in the background. And them rewriting, rechanging stuff last minute, they completely rewrote one episode because Netflix said it wouldn't play into their algorithm and it was really out there and really weird <laughs> and they just rewrote it last minute All and right. then shot it again yeah the, the behind the scenes to this sounds almost infinitely more fascinating basically it's adapted from a uh, I think Norwegian TV series and they had a fairly close adaption of it and then just decided we're gonna throw most of that keep like the bare skin of the plot and completely turn it into our own thing but wait so we did not talk about how we meet justin thoreau's character i don't i don't want to spoil that do you want to talk about that because that may be like the biggest laugh i had in this and is and just like the most (laughs) like yes that's that is everything i want that's like so perfect yeah all right i'll just say that we meet him in a very peculiar fashion the show is just like there's no consistency throughout the entire show of like funny weird like it's just like all over the place it's got more imagination and creativity in it than almost anything i've seen this year on tv um but i i think you can figure out pretty quickly if it's not for you and i it's it's been interesting to see people's reactions on social media of either being I'm all in or I'm admiring this more than I'm enjoying it, but it's a mini series, so I'm gonna watch all of it to people that are like two episodes in and are wildly confused at what's going on and are really confused that it's not as funny as they thought it was gonna be. That it's actually more of a serious drama. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm definitely, like, 120% in. I'm going to finish this one, and I'm going to be very content with it no matter what. I mean, it's a miniseries, so I don't have to worry about another season. And then the just the sets alone are just dope as shit. And then we also get Jonah Hill with a mullet and a Texas Oilers football jersey. This this is a uh, this is gonna be a great Tumblr series. Even if people don't talk about this as like one of their favorite yeah, shows of the year, people need to see this movie or, or this show so we can get the memes. The me yeah, there there's gonna be 
the memes and the tumblers, and I'm going to change all my social media profiles to <laughs> either Justin Thoreau with that toupee or Ooh, the, uh, the just the, the purple computer, supercomputer they have with all the fun little lights on it. Yeah. Great tumbler show. Do you know what's not for everybody? Mandy. This this beautiful, beautiful, highly well-rated on Metascore movie starring one of my favorite people in the entire world, Nicolas Cage. I thought you were going to do a transition of uh, the crazy neon light schemes in the laboratory in Maniac to the just out-of-this-world neon lights lighting in Mandy, where everything's either bright neon red, bright neon blue, or like bright neon yellow. If this was a visual or video podcast, or if we were on YouTube, we definitely would be doing that. Uh, Mark, let me let me ask you a question here. On a scale of I occasionally listen to Iron Maiden to I got a Devil Star drawn on above my bedspread and I sacrifice deer at night to Cthulhu. How metal are you? (laughs) I can tell you I'm not Mandy metal enough. You're not you're not metal enough for Mandy. I thought I was. I want to be. Cuz I don't I don't I know, know if Mandy <laughs> I don't know if Mandy the latest uh movie starring Nicolas Cage the latest just experience the visual experience starring Nicolas Cage. I don't know if it's quite sacrificing to the tentacle monster Cthulhu metal, but it's pretty metal. No, it's it's like doing meth and some severe BDSM and then sacrificing a human to the gods of the BDSM. Just just you wait. I don't know if dude. that's even accurate. Because you've because <laughs> you've only seen half of this thus far. Uh, I, no, I, we had to record I, this I, while I, I was sent, watching it. I, I sent you the screener and you got about midway through which is about when this movie goes from this is kind of this weird atmospheric 80s retro movie to this movie cranks the volume up to 11 and is just pure batshit insanity for an hour the, basically the back half of this movie uh, if hills have eyes can go to like a, a tier above this is Hills Have Eyes filtered through a Eastern European rave party on meth. <laughs> That's that is Mandy. It is Nicolas Cage stars as a uh, a lumberjack. Is he a lumberjack? I don't know, but his name What's, is amazing, and I want his name. It, it's Red Red Miller. Like how American can you get? Uh, Nicholas Cage plays Red Miller. Uh, who goes off on a hunting trip for revenge against a cult that kidnaps and, uh, 
you know what? I, th- I think I think they mentioned it in the trailer. Kidnaps and uh, does some ugly things to uh, his girlfriend. You're the Nicolas Cage fan here. I I almost feel like you can't give a full answer because you haven't seen when this movie goes to cranked up eleven. But this is in the pantheon of crazy Nicolas Cage stuff, where Nicolas Cage not only goes out to murder everyone in an insane probably satanic i don't <laughs> hippie some cult. sort of biker riding cult and uh fights demon bikers has a chainsaw swords match with the dude towards the end of the movie uh takes some <laughs> high-powered lsd and there's some like trippy animated sequences later in the movie it gets animated yeah you haven't oh seen anything God. yet. It's it's not for everyone, but... Oh, this movie's for everyone. <laughs> this is the most perfect first date movie. This is the type of movie, like, it's Christmas, you're home for the holidays, and your parents are like, oh, Dancing with the Stars is over, and the voice isn't on tonight. <laughs> what do you want to watch? And you're like, I got a movie for you, and you put on Mandy. That's what you do. Oh, man. It's definitely... It's probably the craziest movie I've seen since mother last year mother doesn't even touch this movie i've only seen 60 minutes of this beautiful 120 minute film and mother doesn't even compare the last half of mandy gets pretty close to mother craziness all right so everyone needs to like go watch this movie or the trailer or look at the stills and just Just watch the movie yeah everyone needs to watch this movie it's I'm gonna out finish, it after we finish this podcast. It'll probably be on demand. Mark and I saw a screener of it. Uh, I think it's playing in a couple theaters, but I would imagine if it's not in theaters, it'll be on demand or able to stream soon. But uh, wait. it got me think. What? Wait, wait. So I'm reading the IMDb trivia facts about this movie. Oh boy! The number one fact is that this movie prompted a five-minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. Cannes Film or Festival? Cannes, whatever you say it. I, I didn't even know it played there. I knew it played, because the first time I heard about this was it premiered at Sundance, and this was one of the movies that I remember hearing people be like, yo, this, this new Nicolas Cage movie is really crazy and people who weren't at Sundance were like oh okay like yeah normal crazy and they're like no this movie is next level this might be the craziest movie Nicolas Cage has ever been in comparing it to a long line of great like trash art midnight movie screenings you mentioned Eraserhead yep. earlier it's I it, it's not like Eraserhead, but it's in that same class of movie, and you know, you have a couple greasy burgers beforehand, grab a couple beers in the lobby, everyone's hooping and hollering, it's kind of bad, but kind of awesome at the same time, it's super over the top, but it got me thinking, Mark, because like I said, you're a big Nicolas Cage fan. I am. Nay, you're a Nicolas Cage connoisseur. You could probably write a book on your love for Nicolas Cage. Uh, so we thought this would be a fun time to go through our top five Nicolas Cage movies. Mark, are you ready? All right. Uh, yeah, I'm ready, but this is not going to be 
in any order except for number one. But I'll okay. say that one last. Okay. My number five, I'm going for Nicolas Cage's action. I, I felt bad not having a Nicolas Cage action movie on here, which... Is it still weird to you that there was a period in the late 90s when Nicolas Cage was our biggest action star? Like, from uh, 96, 96 to early 2000s, Nicolas Cage was our biggest action movie star. But there, there's one... <laughs> There's one action movie that rises above them all. It's where Nicolas Cage plays John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage because he ha- John Travolta has to take his face off. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that so many people enjoy this co- movie with this premise is just... It's incredible. <laughs> so, so I I rewatched Face Off about a month ago because it was on Netflix, and if you watch it as a comedy, it may be the the funniest movie of the last twenty years. Isn't every Nicolas Cage movie a comedy though? No, th- this is because this is not only over the top. Like, Mandy is an over the top movie, but his performance maybe isn't as over the top. Th- Face Off may be, like, peak over-the-top Nicolas Cage. Like, the moment Nicolas Cage went from an interesting kind of offbeat actor to, yo, this guy's motherfucking crazy, that's Face Off. (laughs) Combine that with John Travolta on his post-Pulp Fiction high, who is, is just like, I don't care what anyone says, I'm the most amazing actor on the planet. You put over the top John Travolta with over-the-top Nicolas Cage in an over-the-top John Woo movie. It's it's <laughs> sh- chef emoji. It is it is it is not so bad. It's good. It is just it is amazing. It is an incredible comedy where no one involved knew they were making a comedy. That's my number five. Sounds pick. about right. I mean, <laughs> spot on. What's what? Yeah. What's what's your number first five? edition? All right. So. F- so Face Off okay. was going to be in my top five. And then... Alright, let's see. I could try to do this from top to bottom. So my number five would be the movie Next, which is not a great movie. And it's not like this outstanding Nicolas Cage performance. It's just the fact that it was on like TNT every time I came home from school. And I've seen it about a fucking hundred times. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I, f- I can remember being like... 12 or something 12 or 13 and just seeing the ads for that do you care to explain it it's bonkers do we have the time it's terrible okay so Nicolas Cage is he's gifted this ability where he can like see two and a half minutes into the future that's it and then he falls in love with Jessica Biel and somehow they tumble onto a fight against the FBI slash also nuclear terrorists. Okay. And then, spoiler alert, his love for Jessica Beale. His love for Jessica Beale apparently amplifies his powers, but we find that out at the end where he just has a premonition of like the next like 72 hours of his life. Oh, wow. So he's seen like every possible outcome 
And then the movie ends. I feel like this also came out at the same time. Do you remember that Denzel Washington movie, Deja Vu? Yep. I, that also was always on FX. I feel like these two had similar uh, premises. Because isn't Deja Vu, like, Denzel Washington has the travel back in time like 24 hours to terrorist attack or something yeah it's basically the same thing just different ways of getting the premonitions yeah i feel like there was also a sandra bullock movie called premonitions that came out at the same time too it was a hot topic in hollywood in the <laughs> mid aughts all right my number four mark you've known me for a long time and you know that someone who's very near and dear to my heart. I don't I don't love all his movies, but I think all of his movies are fascinating. Is none other than Mr. David Lynch. And my number four pick is Wild at Heart with Nick Cage and Laura Dern. It, Laura Dern. It's kind of like if David Lynch were to do like true romance, even though I think it came out like a year or two before true romance. And Nicolas Cage is basically kind of playing Elvis Presley. It's like him and Laura Dern are star-crossed lovers. Yes. Mark is showing me the picture of Willem Dafoe without any teeth in Wild at Heart. What the fuck is this movie? How have I never seen this? It's not the best David Lynch movie. It is, weirdly enough, one of his more straightforward movies. But it's, it's just so insane there's all these weird wizard of oz homages and visuals from the wizard of oz thrown in but it's basically cage and laura dern as star-crossed lovers on the run and there's like hitmen and bad people coming after them so it's kind of like true romance but with nicholas cage and laura dern except instead of christian slater and patricia arquette and it's got some pretty... Yeah, I'm just looking through the stills of this, and it just looks wild. It's Nicolas Cage wears a snake jacket that he describes as an extension of his personality. Well, of course. What else would you describe it as? And him and Laura Dern actually have really great chemistry together. There's some, like, I think pretty provocative for their t- time, like, really, really intense sex scenes between him and Laura Dern. There's like five or six really intense sex scenes between him and Laura Dern. I think the movie got an it's NC- all right. It's the '90s. The movie got an NC-17 rating when it first came out. I think, but it's nuts. I can tell you right now, it is R. Though maybe they released a, uh, maybe like the initial version that they put out was NC-17, and then they cut it down to an R. But it, you watch it, and it's pretty easy to see why it might have one time gotten an NC-17 rating. Why is everyone smoking a cigarette in every picture? Because it's a David Lynch movie. God and damn that, it. that man smokes like a chimney. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty on brand for you. I'm I'm surprised you haven't seen it. You you should. I didn't even know it existed. Go go out to Amazon tonight, and it it'll cost you about two or three bucks probably, but it's it's well worth that two or three dollars are you ready for my number four i'm i'm born ready i'm waiting for like national treasure 2 you to like really specify that you mean the second one i only acknowledge the first one (laughs) so you can calm down right there (laughs) yes this beautiful masterpiece of just sean bean 
one step behind everybody in the world. That's her number four? And, oh, that's my number four. National Treasure? The cast alone, I mean. Uh, shout out John, Nicholas Cage. Shout out John Turtletob, who uh, directed The Meg, a movie Jad loved and I thought was an utter pile of crap. Same guy. But that's why Jad loved it. That's that's a different conversation. Dude, National Treasure is like, it's such a cultural movie for our generation. I don't know anyone who has not seen that movie between the ages of like 20 and like 33. And then you take like a middle school American history class and learn that most of the history in it is other bullshit. <laughs> it's Nicholas. Uh, shut your whore mouth. There's no way. It's all facts. It, the entire movie's facts. It maybe gave us the greatest Nicolas Cage line delivery of all time. Which is? I'm, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> it's that or the Wicker Man's... Ah! The bees! Ah! ah! The, bees. <laughs> the fact that the movie starts out with him, like, in, like, Antarctica on a boat... Or no, they're in, like, Nova Scotia, but it's, like, frigid Nova Scotia. And they find some, like, boat like buried in ice and they have like all these machinery out there but it's also drivable to like 30 minutes away from a population of people <laughs> it's just crazy the whole movie is just fucking out of this world like he can't even take a ch- kids movie and like he makes it s- yeah <laughs> batshit crazy that's this is i think the last of the sort of like big action movies run that he does i think i think I mean, if you want to call that an action movie i mean it's action adventure if that's not action, then like Definitely Indiana adventure. Jones is in action. There's Indiana Jones has way more action. There's running a national treasure. John Voight gets it's sh- like a slow jog. John Voight gets shot. I do think they're way more entertaining than the uh, the Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code movies. They're kind oh, of, those are crap. They're kind of the same thing. Don't you dare compare them. No, <laughs> it's it's people running around to religious landmarks or in the case of national treasure national monuments spouting a couple of historical facts about them and then finding a clue that they have to run to another one except somehow national treasure makes it kind of entertaining all right oh nicholas cage you're terribly boring and amazing at the same time my my number three pick uh a movie that earlier in the summer i texted you the trailer to and I said, I just rented this on DVD. Because <laughs> I live near somewhere where I can rent DVDs. Like it's 2005. Oh. And Weird. gives Face Off a run for its money as for the craziest Nicolas Cage performance. It is the craziest Nicolas Cage performance of the last oh, 10 I know years. What it is. I know what it is. It is a maybe remake of... A movie from the early 90s starring Harvey Keitel, but no one involved in this movie will tell you it's a remake. It's from the great German director Werner Herzog. Oh no, it is not what I thought it is. It's, as Nicolas Cage describes in full title, Bad Lieutenant, colon, Port of Call, New Orleans, where Nicolas Cage... What is this movie? ...just plays a corrupt police officer in post-Katrina, New Orleans, who's just off his meds on drugs. That's that's the premise of... The, that's that's the premise of the entire movie. Is this two eleven? Huh? Are you describing two eleven? Nope. Describing bad lieutenant. Portocol New Orleans. The movie itself is I mean, I I love Werner Herzog. 
who is himself a wild man and maybe has the single greatest IMDb trivia page of any person, place, or thing. Yeah. Trivia page? Yeah, this man, like, put his crew underneath an active volcano and saved Joaquin Phoenix from a burning fire and then tossed off and then was, like, shot by a sniper during a live TV interview. And he made a movie with Nicolas Cage as a drugged-out police officer and basically just told... Nicholas Cage to unleash the hog. Nicholas, unleash the hog. And Nicholas Cage unleashes that hog. And then Werner Herzog, like, films some lizards. And crocodiles looking at Nicholas Cage. It's it's a crazy movie. I think it went straight to DVD when it came out. But it it's it's incredible. <laughs> it's my single favorite Nicholas Cage performance of the last decade. Hands down, no question. Like it's actually a good performance. It's it is it's a great performance, Mark. It is a great performance. The movie questionable. Everyone else in the movie kind of bad. Yeah, I'm looking at this cast list and I'm like, what is going on here? Everyone else in the movie kind of bad, but Nicolas Cage is so fun to watch in it and is going so off the rails that it it just it just makes the whole thing worth it. Can we talk about Val Kilmer exhibit? Val Kilmer's and Shannon are also in this movie. <laughs> Val Kilmer's the subject of an entirely different podcast. Oh god, Val Kilmer. That's the lost career. That's the lost movie star career. That's who needs his comeback is Val Kilmer. He ain't getting it, sorry. Yeah. All right. What's what's your number 3, sir? My number 3 would have been Face Off, so we can jump to number 2. Okay. Uh, my number two is Raising Arizona from the Cone Brothers. Okay. Uh, very respectable. Yeah. Thought you were going to say Ghost Rider. Swear to God. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Not. Sorry. There's no redeeming Ghost Rider. That, that's a, I know this is a Nicolas Cage appreciation podcast, but that's a shit movie. (laughs) Raising Arizona is not a shit movie, though. Uh, early Cone Brothers, I, I think it was their second movie. Uh, it's basically a live-action... Uh, I think you're right. It's a live-action Looney Tune cartoon with Nicolas Cage. Uh, in fact, there was... Did you watch the GQ interview with him that I sent you? Maybe. I, GQ does this web series where they basically take actors and go through like most of the major projects on their IMDb list. And they did one with Cage recently for Mandy, and they get to Raising Arizona, and he basically talks about his inspiration for the character in Raising Arizona was Woody Woodpecker, which a thousand percent makes I can, sense. I can believe that. It's I can I can it a million times believe that. It's easily the most cartoonish and ridiculous movie the Cones have made. It's it's more cartoonish and goofy than even Big Lebowski. Uh if if you haven't yeah. if you haven't seen it, it's hysterically funny. Watching that video side note, you really get a feel for kind of how interesting of an actor he is based off of what interests him in roles and what his inspiration is for roles. He's really into like old silent movie acting where you had to be like really big and emotive and like facial expressions and body language which is how he 
comes across so over the top and over cranked in all of his movies because that style of acting is just really interesting every to him. movie yeah or even him talking about con air and saying my inspiration for that movie was who i wanted to be when i grew up when i was like five america on cocaine yeah <laughs> uh i don't know he's he's just such a fascinating actor but yeah, raising Arizona, it's I I really couldn't say anything more than it's just howlingly funny and Nicolas Cage burning bright at the dawn of his career. So what's what's your number two, Mark? Uh, number two, no shock here is Con Air. Ooh. As we have just previously mentioned. Ooh, talk a little bit about Con Air because I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on Con Air. That's that's not really. I don't dislike it, but it's not one of my favorites from that Nicolas Cage action movie era. It's maybe like the third or fourth favorite from that era. I think it's the most 90s movie ever to be created. Not only based off the plot of this like decorated army guy, military guy, who went to prison for killing a man because he was defending his wife. Hold, hold on, hold on that, a second. I, I, got, per- I gotta give you some ambiance as, as you as you as you talk about this. Just okay, keep going. How could I make the world? Can't do this. <laughs> if you ever leave, how could I? <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> how could I live without you? If you're We're not there yet. Yeah, the fact that they put him on this plane with all these criminals when he's supposed to be on parole for some shit. Like, what is this movie? It's incredible. It has a love ballad in the middle of like the most intense part of the movie. That was such just nineties. That was a like thing back then. Apex. Armageddon had that. That was a thing back then for those Jerry Bruckheimer movies. I know. That's what's missing from our big action like, movies these days. Love ballads at like the peak of the action. Adele, the climax. Adele, if you're out there, if you're listening, John Wick three. Ooh, they try get her on the James Bond. Yeah, but that's different. That's like an opening title sequence. (laughs) I want like John Wick three sees like a little kid on the side of the street, and the kid's ice cream cone fell on the ground, and John Wick. Just hands him, just buys him another ice cream cone in the middle of a shootout, and Adele, Adele blasts a love ballad, because that's what we need. Do you don't want like him killing four people with one pencil while Adele plays? That that too. Can we just get Adele to just cover the? How could I live without you? Just a, a cover. I can't wait for them to remake Connor. It's gonna be amazing. Who's starring in the cage role? Or do we just get 50 He's coming 50 back for it. What do you mean who's starring in the cage role? Who's playing Malkovich? They're literally going to remake it. Shot for shot. Same actors? Can we bring Cusack's role back? No. That's- Nicholas Cage is the only re- coming back. Only one coming back. One thing that really bothered me about that movie? John Cusack being able to chase that plane in a car. I was going to say the entire movie, but that makes sense too. Oh, man. 
Oh, Con Air. Shame on Jad for ever making Keep fun of it. I'm saying I gotta rewatch it. I really do need to rewatch it. All right. Number one pick. Drum roll. My number one Nicolas Cage movie. Adaptation. Double the Cage. Oh, so you're taking this, like, seriously. Okay. All right. That's, again, another respectable choice by you. He he won his Oscar, and he's like, that's cool. I gotta go. Except he didn't win the Oscar. He won it for just getting drunk on set and leaving Las Vegas. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. I was getting confused. Should have won it for Adaptation. Adaptation's great. Uh, I We don't really have time for me to explain it, because it's super meta and super convoluted. Yeah, no. But... It's no. if you have not seen it, it's pretty incredible. Meryl Streep is also in it, and one of my favorite Streep performances. Spike Jones. She probably got an Oscar for that one. Spike Jones directed it. Charlie Kaufman. Didn't he get an Oscar? Uh, I don't think so. Someone here got a Char- Oscar Charlie Kaufman, who wrote the script and who Cage plays in the movie. Kaufman got the Oscar. Did he? Yeah, that movie definitely won a screenplay award. The, the screenplay is the thing that's incredible uh, about that movie. Best Supporting Actor. Nominated for Leading Role. Okay. Nominated for Actress Supporter. Nominated for Best Writing. And that's it. Dang, so Kaufman didn't even win? No. That's... That's an Oscar travesty. <laughs> that's... I don't, I don't know how you get a more creative, adapted screenplay adaptation but if you haven't seen it out there listeners it's it's pretty perfect and it's it's, it's really good it's, movie. Act, I don't it's, really a, it's actually not an over-the-top Nicolas Cage performance which is really weird he's actually like really subdued and he's playing a pair of twins one of them is charismatic but it's not over-the-top charismatic and then writer Charlie Kaufman who is the real person he's playing in it is super introverted and super awkward. It's, I think, the best piece of acting Cage has ever done. It's not the craziest, It's, but it's it's the best. And that's the best movie he's ever been it's, in, in my opinion. It's his overall... I'd agree with that. But what's, what's your number one pick? My number one pick of my all-time favorite, Nicolas Cage. We're doing... See, so this, this pick is based off his role and how he performed. Okay. Nothing to do with the movie, because I could care less about the movie. But it was Kick-Ass. Oh, man. What a curveball. Dude. <laughs> what a curveball. Playing, like, the dad superhero in that movie. With his freaking mustache and teaching his daughter how to, like, be an assassin. Which, how does he know how to be an assassin? But we're not going to get into that. He's just, like... Like the 1950s perfect dad, and then plot twist. He's raised as an assassin who's like 13. Plot twist, he's R rated Batman. Yo, right. I, I, Batman with I totally forgot about that. His name is Big Daddy. Come on. I totally forgot about Kick Ass just because I don't, I don't think I, I think I missed it when it came out. And so I saw it much later, like when we were in college, and. I think by that point we had gotten like Deadpool and a couple other so it didn't feel as like as fresh and different as it did I think when it first came out cuz I didn't see it when it first came out I mean when it first came out it was cool cuz like 
it's very cartoonish, but no one has superpowers. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm also... It's really good, but then it's really bad. I'm also not on the Aaron Taylor Johnson couch, so that's probably also why I didn't uh, see it until much later. I'm not a fan of him either. I don't I don't get him. I don't get the appeal. That's a different podcast. Cool. <laughs> Big Daddy, a.k.a. Nicolas Cage, does shoot like a desert eagle into his daughter, Chloe... Was this it, Moratz? No, Chloe. Is it Chloe Grace Moratz? Oh, yeah, 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 that's it. Chloe Grace Moratz. Yeah, he shoots her in the chest with like a deagle, like a desert eagle handgun. That was a good list. I, I, I think we're gonna put both of we're gonna put both of them up on our Instagram page because that's. I think we only had like one movie overlap between both of our lists, and that was Face Off. So you got a solid yeah, I like. I feel like I was not. We got a solid, we got, our listeners got a solid nine movies out of this. Ten, if you include Mandy. They got ten solid Nicolas Cage movies. Oh, Mandy's a must watch. Yeah. 